Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I am Ben Duncan, and on this podcast, I will be interviewing prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Southsource Ohana. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a slightly different format for the podcast because I am interviewed by Oscar Para. Oscar is a solution engineer working for a product company out of San Francisco. He has been a long-term listener of Talent Hub Talk, and he wanted to hear a bit more about my background, how I got into recruitment, and why I recruit in the Salesforce ecosystem and how Talent Hub came to be. And uh, yeah, great to have Oscar on the show. Great to have a guest that has been a long-term listener. And uh, yeah, really hope you enjoy the episode. And if you do, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. Hi, Ben. Yeah, really glad to be on the Talent Hub uh, podcast and ask you some questions. Not just um, on the podcast. My... You are the, uh, the, you're running the podcast today. <laughs> yeah, so really excited to ask you some questions. I know myself and I'm sure a lot of viewers um, kind of keen to know about more about your Salesforce journey and your career journey as a whole. So um, I prepared some questions just to ask you about some of the things that you've done in your career. So I, I kind of want to take maybe some time back. So I know you're kind of somewhat of a celebrity now in the NZ community, but just globally in the Salesforce community. And kind of want to go back to maybe some of those formative experiences that you had when you were younger that um, have kind of led to the success that you've seen, at least um, in your career so far. Yeah, I mean, I, like I... I would be lying if I told you I ever really wanted to be a recruiter or a Salesforce uh, recruiter at that. You know, I um, like obviously I'm I'm from the UK, so I've been living in Australia for 11 years now, which I think um, it was probably quite a pivotal moment in my life because like I didn't go to university. Um, I, and I know we've discussed this um, off camera before. Um, you're in the US and, and college is a big thing. And, and in the UK, when I was growing up, I think a lot of people did go to university, but I didn't have that kind of drive and, and passion to to want to study. Um, I just had a real determination to get into the workforce. And um, and I think I, I've always been quite hardworking and, and quite driven. I think that's something that, that you know, my, my parents probably would say, like, I always wanted to achieve something, not necessarily knowing what that was. But um, early days, I, I would work kind of weekends on, uh, on lots of like delivering papers or putting up market stalls um, locally to me. So I always had that kind of drive to have some money, even at a young age and, and get out to the workforce. But then when I actually started working full-time, I initially worked in a bank selling okay. um, mortgages, credit cards, loans, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. which, yeah, I mean, was was fine. But I, I, I didn't really see a career in that. Like, I, I didn't see where I could go with that. And I think I uh, the one thing I, I heard about recruitment that, that excited me was this concept of uh, you get out what you put in. So... You know, if you work really hard in recruitment, it's it's a career that you don't need a qualification, you don't need a you know a degree, a, a master's, or anything like that to do. And really, it's just about you know building rapport, building relationships, and adding value. And I think for me that that aligned to where I wanted to go with my career because there was kind of no limits to what I could achieve if I worked hard. That's why I first got into recruitment. Got it. Okay. Just I'm curious. Um, yeah, you did mention in the U.S. There's a big focus and kind of push to go to college, to go to university. At least at the time or being in the UK, is it common to see people go straight into the workforce or is it kind of a combination of going to uni and workforce? Yeah, I would say it's kind of a, a mix. Like I think out of my whole friend group, it would probably be like 50-50. Um, you know, 
the that there are some amazing colleges that you would call that in, in the UK. But um, this is my personal um, perception of, of degrees. Like a lot of people I know that have studied something in the UK, especially then go into the workforce and don't do anything in relation to their degree. Um, mm. So like, I know, obviously, you're different to that, right? You, you studied computer science, I think. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and now you're working as you know in technology, which completely makes sense. Um, but you see a lot of people like study history in the UK, and then they go into cells, or you know they study physics, and then they become something completely different to the the line of um, of their study. So I think yeah, it's, it's just not. Yes, people do go to to college in in or university in the UK, but it's not like you can still get a job if you don't go to university, and and you can still you know have a great career if you don't go to university whereas i think in in the us it's kind of an expectation right that you will have gone to college correct yeah i think i think it's differences too maybe in education that i know in other countries right uh, the secondary education prepares you more for you know uh, a career the workforce and just now at least in public education it's not enough to at least get you a, a good paying job or to help you enough to kind of start your career right um, I do have friends that um, have gone that way, and some of them have seen a lot of success. But I think it had more to do with their character as a person, some things that, you know, internally motivated or externally, like things they wanted to accomplish. So I don't know, like in the UK, if you felt like your education prepared you very well for that. And then, you know, you as a person, your character, your your drive for success kind of um, led you to kind of where you are now. Yeah, I would say more so my drive. Like, um, I, if I look back at school, like I wasn't, I didn't achieve much at all at school. You know, I, um, mm. I, I scraped by, um, I, I spent the first few years probably being too much of a class clown. And then I, I ended up for the last three years of, of, um, secondary school, we call it in the UK. I went to a private school, which, you know, I'm forever grateful to my parents for putting me through that, but it was really a case of, you know, um, we need to kind of get Ben out of being a class clown and, and get a bit more structure to his kind of um, education for him to be able to go on to university if he wants to. The worst thing I um, I said to my mum after I, I went to private school and I got my exam results, and they weren't terrible, but they weren't great. They were just kind of middle of the road. And I remember saying to her, I could have done better if I tried harder. And um, <laughs> for her, that must have been the worst thing to hear, right? Because she just paid money for me to go to three years of private school and to be told that oh, I could have done better if I tried harder. But it yeah. just wasn't for me. It wasn't like I didn't enjoy being in a classroom. Like I didn't feel like the two things I really enjoyed studying. One was um, PE, so physical education, like football. I'm a, I, I loved soccer. Like I, I loved playing sports. Um, and the second one was business studies, which I really loved. Like I, I really enjoyed like learning about how a business runs, like the different structures that companies can be set up in in the UK, and and doing kind of little mini projects and things like that. Like I really enjoyed that. But then if I'd have gone on to the next stage of education, which is um, in between secondary school and and um, university, which is A levels, then I would have had to study more than just that. So I'd have had to study, you know. Um, business and IT and something else. And really, I, only, I was only interested in business. So at that point, um, it just wasn't enough to keep me engaged. And um, mm. and yeah, I just felt like I wanted to get out and kind of get into the, the world of, of working and, and understanding, you know, actually how a business does run and, and being... And, and I think in London as well, there's this draw to work in London, like to, you know, it's mm -hmm. a big, the big lights of London and, and to get into, to, um, working in the city. And my, my parents had both commuted to the city every day and it was kind of what I expected to do. So I just wanted to get out and, and, uh, and do that. But yeah, I think it was more so my character was, was what has enabled me to, to then move to Australia and, and set up talent hub and, you know, just have that, that, that drive rather than the education.
Got it. Got it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I did want to ask you about that because you did mention you worked at a bank and then transitioned into technical recruiting. And I saw in your LinkedIn um, that you have a couple of different uh, recruiting firms that you worked for in the past. Um, was that recruiting across all different roles or was it uh, just Salesforce specific? Or I guess if you could share a bit more about that, how you how you got started with technical recruiting and, and what sure. that was like. My first role was with a company called, um, they were called Madness and Black, but they were a division of S3. So S3 are one of the biggest um, staffing firms globally. Mm -hmm. They have a number of brands across the world. And and I worked for, um, I I got this interview with a company that they were recruiting SAP. So I had no idea what SAP was at that stage, right? So Mm -hmm. um, I went for this interview and I got the job and I I started recruiting SAP roles. And, And at that point, I only recruited for contractors. Like I recruited for one module within SAP, which is the finance module. And then I recruited in one um, kind of area. So like it was so focused. Um, it would be like the equivalent of, of recruiting for people that, you know, do flows in Salesforce in in a smaller area than Samfran, right? All I can recruit is people that, that are going to build flows in Samfran. That was it. So I was like like hyper-targeted on one one kind of small area and that's all i knew at that stage and then i I, then when i moved from there um i then did all of sap um so i kind of got a broader understanding of of sap and then that's kind of what enabled me to move to australia because i had a specialized um like recruitment skill set in that i understood the sap market and and that opened up doors for me to i I think at that stage i could have moved to australia had i recruited any technology really because technology recruiters were in demand but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, having a specialized kind of market in SAP and, and understanding that kind of gave me the opportunity to, to join a company in Australia where I recruited SAP across Sydney and then, uh, yeah, SAP across Australia. And uh, I was, you know, I, I was successful in that. Like I, I, in Australia, I was probably as well known in SAP recruitment as I am now in, in Salesforce recruitment in Australia. But I just got bored of it, to be honest. Like I just got bored mm-hmm. of recruiting SAP. Uh, I, I found that the people that that were good and and were were established in SAP like ten years ago are still the same people now that are established in SAP. Like it's not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how um, Salesforce is like this cool technology where you've got grads now coming into it, and you've got you know people that that are you know learning and growing and and evolving really quickly with the Salesforce platform. I didn't see that in SAP. It was like the same people every every time I was oh, speaking to. They were all a lot older than me. Like everyone I dealt with in SAP was like a lot older than me and I couldn't really connect with them. Um, mm-hmm. So even though I did it for like, I don't know, seven years or something, it, it, it just wasn't, uh, it got to a point where I was just bored of doing that. And, and that's kind of when I identified Salesforce as the market I wanted to recruit in. Yeah, that's actually interesting that you say that. Um, just because I know the new Salesforce MVP 2022 class was named a few weeks ago. So, you know, kind of bringing forward some of the people that are kind of building and helping the community grow, some of the leaders. And and now there's that, you know, MVP Hall of Fame, there's MVPs that are still existing, but kind of saying, we want to highlight and recognize some of the people. So I didn't actually know that about SAP that, um, you know, it's kind of the same people still within the space that are, you know, the same people that were at the leadership kind of at the the peak or kind of the summit of the SAP technology are still kind of still there. That's interesting that you say that because um the way that Salesforce is, right? But Yeah, and I can't um, like comment right now because obviously it's been six, seven years since I've been out of the SAP market, but that's what I found. Like I, you know, it's the same names, the same people, the same people being given opportunity because it's like an old, it was an older technology. I know they've updated now. They've got like this S4 HANA thing, but but yeah, previously it was like, you know, it was like, it was a platform that had been built years and years ago and, and mm-hmm. people that had 10 years experience were the people that were in demand because they knew yeah. the platform inside out. Whereas Salesforce, yeah. because things are so new, like, you know, there's new technology, there's new features all the time. 
you can learn and and like the the beauty of salesforce for me is that you know there are admins in the market now with one year experience that could be a flow you know pro as much as they could be um they could be as strong with flows as someone that's got 10 years salesforce experience because you know they might just have picked up flows really quickly in the last year and the person yeah. with 10 years experience might not have have invested as much time in flows yeah yeah absolutely i saw that um i saw your recent post where you're talking about some of the people that you've seen come in and then kind of uh, less from a feature perspective but kind of like how they've kind of grown within the space but interesting to you know as you share that you know as a kind of self-force deprecates workflow and process builder and says flows are the way to go or even when lightning web components uh, were introduced right um you know you can pick up these features and be one of the first people to kind of learn this technology um and be equally as knowledgeable as someone that's been 10 years mm-hmm. obviously without the experience but be just as capable of accomplishing and delivering some some value to customers right so that's yeah absolutely and that's why i love about it yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe I sort of got sidetracked, but I do want to go back and ask you. So, it was maybe some of those challenges that you you encountered early on in technical recruiting, especially. Um, you know, I, and I'm not very aware with the difference between those contract and those full time roles in the SAP space, but just in general, I guess in Salesforce, like what did you see as some of the early challenges that you had to learn and realize about um, selling? You mentioned you 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 know you were selling mortgages and loans to people at the bank, or you know providing that service. How that differed when you're kind of selling jobs and positions to people um, on that side. I think um, the the key the key point you make there is like selling jobs, and I think that that is the mistake I made at the beginning. Like I saw recruitment as a sales job, and okay. I think like now I don't see it as that. Right? I see I see recruitment as a marketing job. I shouldn't be selling a, a job for something it isn't. Like I shouldn't, you know. Yes, I, I can highlight the benefits of a job, and you know, but I, I think I need to be really clear on on the truth. I think marketing is you know, promoting the benefits and and like positioning them in a way that someone is going to find that attractive. Whereas sales, you know, in the early days of recruitment, I I feel like I was working in an office that was like a sales office. It was like, you know, how many phone calls can we make? How how much time can we spend on the phone per day? Like in my first recruitment job, we actually had uh, our phone calls monitored. So we had to do over two hours per day on the phone, connected phone conversations you know, and, and it like the, the whole recruitment market has evolved so much now that, you know, if I was posting the stuff that I post on LinkedIn now, back then, they'd have been like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, why are you, why are you posting this content on LinkedIn? Like just get on the phone. Whereas now it's like, you know, everyone's posting content and, and delivering this kind of, you know, insight into the markets and things like that. And I think that's the mistake I made. It was, I saw, I saw myself as a salesman, whereas now I see myself as like an advisor. I see myself as more of a marketeer than I do a salesperson. Um, mm-hmm. because I'm marketing my brand, I'm marketing the, the, you know, the jobs that I work for, I'm marketing the, the candidates I work with. Like it's about, you know, highlighting and driving the value from the different aspects of the role. So, yeah, yeah. I think, I think I really too much focused on, um, you know, selling and, and didn't really see the, the value I could add in building a, a network and a brand. Tired of wasting time on tedious processes. Try FormAssembly, the secure, all-in-one, Salesforce-connected data collection platform. FormAssembly helps customers streamline and automate data collection processes, enabling organizations in all industries to save an average of 55 hours each week on manual data entry. Using the platform's new workflow builder, non-technical users can map entire data collection workflows, eliminate inefficient processes, and make better, faster decisions all without code or help from IT. Visit www.formassembly.com forward slash talent hub 
to learn more about the number one enterprise data collection platform for Salesforce. Then you're moving to Australia and, you know, still being in that SAP phase. When did that kind of come to the realization of this is, uh, I'm not selling jobs. I'm, I'm, I'm really letting people know about the benefits and some of the great opportunities that are out there in the community. The difference between the UK and, and Australia for me was like in the UK uh, recruiters, and this may have changed, um, but the, there's like a bad, the perception of recruiters is, is fairly negative. And I think in Australia, it's different. I think the, the perception of recruiters on the whole is more positive and more like relationship driven and, and, you know, value add. Whereas in the UK, there's so many recruiters and the, you know, they're, they're all kind of clambering over the same jobs. And, and the, again, I've not recruited in the UK for 11 years, so this could have changed, but it, the, the focus wasn't on candidate experience or customer experience. It was on mm. hitting revenue goals and, you know, achieving outcomes. Um, so I yeah. think that that was a big thing for me when I moved to Australia. You know, I, I realized that relationships were so much more important than my own individual performance mm. because, you, you know, you're only as, um, your, your value is your network, right? And I think, um, so that was a big thing for me. But then when when I decided that I wanted to set up my own business, I I thought, like what can I do differently? Because you know, I at that point I I, I wasn't a known entity in the Salesforce ecosystem. I'd been recruiting Salesforce for a year, um, so just mm. one day I decided I didn't want to recruit SAP anymore. Like I just yes. made that decision, and um, and my the company I was working for was shocked because you know at that point I I was I I was the biggest um, revenue generator in the business for for S, like bringing in for for SAP contract value, mm. but it just got to a point where I. I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. So I, I did some um, investigation. I, I heard of this thing called Salesforce and thought, you know, I'll, I'll do some further investigation. Then just one day I decided I'm going to be a Salesforce recruiter. So I did that for like a year with that company before I then set up my, my business. But there was no guarantees I was going to be successful at that point because I didn't really have a network. Like I'd I'd been growing it slowly and, and I'd been making a few placements here and there, but it wasn't like I was really well established. So I, I just yeah. needed to find a way I could be different. And, um, and I had a business partner back then when I set up Talent Hub. We set up the business together. He's now in the Salesforce ecosystem in Australia. He's one of my best friends. Um, you know, he was a groomsman at my wedding and vice versa. Like, so we, we've had a really good experience for, for two company founders that went their separate ways. It's been, you know, it, we came out of it really well, but we, we, we worked at like, how can we be different? And I think that the big thing was how can we add value? If you think about a Salesforce professional, really, they don't need a recruiter that often. You know, like if you're a contractor, you might move roles twice a year, let's say. If you're a permanent employee, you might move roles once a year, maybe once every three years. So you actually don't need the service of a recruiter that regularly if all you get from them is, is placements. We, we thought, well, how, how can we add value to people continually, not just on the times they want to move jobs, but how can we be, you know, be seen as, as a value provider throughout their career? And I think the big thing for us back then was before the, we were comfortable with video and, and before I, I really had the insight to post every day on LinkedIn, it was more just like blogging and you know providing content um, that we could get from other people in the ecosystem. So we we, we got into that quite um, early around writing blogs and you know, having people come on as guest bloggers and things like that, so we could provide value through the ecosystem. Um, so that that for me was like the the moment I realized actually I need to be a more of a marketeer and and you know use all of the insight that I have. I have more insight than your typical Salesforce candidate around the the whole market because I speak to so many people. They might only speak to their peers and and they might have you know career related discussions, but they're not getting an insight into what's happening every day in the market. And I think that's the position I'm in, and and therefore I can use that knowledge to to help people with the decisions they make. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it's I think it's interesting that you share that because myself just joining the Salesforce ecosystem about you know almost three years ago, 
one of the architects that works at the company I work for um, actually did a, a podcast with you and you interviewed him. And as a someone coming into the Salesforce space, right, and not really knowing what what this is like and what that journey to become an architect, it was really valuable to understand, okay, I studied computer science. I spent some time as a software engineer, an engineer. And then, you know, gradually, as I realized I needed to help my customers, I became an architect, right? And that, that you know, I, I know I reached out to you and we connected and we had those conversations, but um, it's interesting that you share that because it, it does provide, I think, a lot of value to folks that, you know, otherwise wouldn't be having access to these kind of conversations or um, understandings and lessons learned from architects all around the world, right? So, and and it goes to show because you know we we connected and we're we're in contact and you're on the podcast asking me questions, but we've never met. And and I think that's the value, right? Because the Salesforce ecosystem is is a global network, and and through me posting online, it's kind of then built this relationship, and then you started posting online, and I think that that kind of then connected us further because I I was then engaging with your posts, and and yeah, it's it's been crazy to see how you know, global, the, the the market truly is. And, um, you know, I, I have people on the podcast that I'll probably never work with from a, a placement perspective, but that doesn't mean we can't each provide value to each other. And yeah, and, and even thinking like, this is a really a, a conversation between all of the Salesforce community, right? Is what are they learning? What are they seeing in their, you know, space and their market um, in their, you know, vertical industry that they work on? If they, you know, sales cloud, service cloud, um, you know, and, and what are they learning and how can they bring that back to the community? So, that's you know part of the reason why I was really excited to kind of interview you and ask you a few questions. Um, sure. It was all about that, right? I did want to um, kind of maybe go a little bit back. So that's interesting that you you know you know you mentioned you kind of got bored and you wanted to move outside of SAP. I'm curious when it became evident. So did you find a lot of your customers or the companies um, or even people leaving the SAP space to join Salesforce, and you were like, maybe I need to take a closer look um, at Salesforce. No, which is the, the craziest thing, right? I think I'd been in the I'd been in Australia for like four years at that point, right? So I'd built up a decent um, array of customers. But mm-hmm. to this date, I think I've only ever placed with one customer that I placed SAP and now Salesforce. Mm-hmm. So I literally okay. kind of turned my back on all of my network. Like I even set up a whole new LinkedIn page at that point where oh, I was wow. like, yeah, so the day I decided I was going to be a, a Salesforce recruiter, I, I stopped using my old LinkedIn and started a new one with wow. zero, zero contacts. And mm-hmm. the reason I did that was because I wanted the, the stuff I was seeing online to be relevant. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, if, I, if I'm on LinkedIn every day and, and half of what I'm seeing is SAP stuff and the other half is Salesforce, it's like, well, it's a blurred message. Right? I, where do I pay attention? So I thought, right, I'm going to just build a whole network from scratch and uh, and started again with zero followers. So, um, so yeah, it wasn't like I had a, a I had a, a big following or I had customers from day one that I could lean on. Um, it was just I, I started hearing more about Salesforce and and not not necessarily with customers, but like I knew people that had joined Salesforce in recruitment, as an example, at Salesforce. So mm. someone in Australia that I'd I'd had some dealings with before became like a, an internal recruiter at Salesforce. So that kind of got me thinking, okay, what are Salesforce doing? And 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 yeah, from there, I just did more research. I looked on job boards to see how the volume of job opportunities there were on, on online and things like that. And uh, and just started meeting with different people that had some insight into the market. So I did see a few people that, that had gone from SAP to Salesforce, but not people I, I knew very well. So not people I could say, okay, great, I'm going to follow that trend. It was just a feeling I had that there was a good opportunity there. And um and what I was looking for really was a vehicle to set up my own business. Um, so I, I didn't want to to leave that company and be an SAP recruiter as well because I, I had, you know, I was loyal to them. I, I didn't want to compete with them. 
Um, I didn't want to turn my back on them one day and, and be a competitor the next. So for mm-hmm. me, it was like, well, how can I build a different network as well that would potentially enable me to then set up a business as well? So, um, and, and kind of I, at that point, I, I took a gamble on Salesforce and I, you know, I couldn't have picked a better market really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I do want to ask you about that actually. Is uh, You mentioned you, you were doing about a year of Salesforce recruiting at that company. And then was there, did you consider at the time maybe joining a, a Salesforce recruitment specialized company or um, was it just, I guess, maybe if you could share a little bit about Talent Hub and that, how that came to be, you mentioned the co-founder. Or not. I, I didn't consider joining another business and, and I'll be completely honest. The only reason I didn't was because um, I still had commission that I was earning from my SAP contractors. So even okay. though... You know, for the for like that year was was um, a blessing because it enabled me to build a network, but still earn like commission from from before. And at the time, like I still I still made com- the company revenue, so it wasn't like I, I downed tools and stopped working for them. I was still actively, you know, I was leading a team, I, I was mentoring other people, and um, and and I was bringing in revenue. But it was just a perfect time for me to like to wind down my network in the other area and build up a network in the new area. And then my friend, David, who I set up Talent Hub with, was he was actually the first person I met in Australia when I moved here. We were, we're both very similar age. We're both from the UK. We both arrived within a, like a couple of weeks of each other in Australia. We'd never worked together, but we just had uh, you know similar ideas around the recruitment industry and, and adding value and, uh, and things like that. So, um, so yeah, that's when we decided that we'd, we'd form Talent Hub and uh, and and go go all in on Salesforce. And it's funny because he'd never recruited technology before. He was like an oil and gas recruiter, so it couldn't have been more different <laughs> to his background. Um, but now he's like flourishing in a, a sales role in the Salesforce ecosystem. So even though it didn't, you know, Talent Hub at the time wasn't the right place for him to work because of some personal, uh, like uh, his partner got pregnant in the early days of Talent Hub, and you know, running a startup as a founder. Um, with a you know a new baby, it's, it's difficult, right? So he then kind of continued in the Salesforce ecosystem, and and um, he's still in the ecosystem now, thriving, right? So it's been great for him to make that transition as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess I guess if you could share a little bit about Talent Hub and like what what Talent Hub does, I think so. I know Talent Hub from the podcast, but just in general, like some of the people that you work with and um, the the kind of work that you do at Talent Hub. Yeah, sure. So, um, so Talent Hub is, uh, you know, at its core, we're a Salesforce recruitment business. So, you know, we we are. That's that's how we um, survive. That's how I put food on the table by placing people in in Salesforce jobs. We operate exclusively in Australia and New Zealand. And I say New mm-hmm. Zealand because we have made placements in New Zealand, but predominantly Australia. Like that's where our, um, our our core market is. Our core relationships are. That's kind of across the the, the Salesforce ecosystem. So. You know, contract and permanent placements um, from admin all the way through to certified technical architect. Um, mm-hmm. We don't really do too much in the sales space. Mm-hmm. You know, we focus more on the, the the hands-on technical and and functional roles. But yeah, we work with some of the biggest customers in Australia. We work with um, consulting practices, and we work with startups. Um, really, anyone that can make use of um, of of experienced or junior and, and upcoming Salesforce talent, and we're, we're keen to partner with. And and really, for me. Um, you know, a big passion for of mine is is helping new people into the ecosystem and, and to grow. And um, you know, I would love for there to be more opportunity for entry level candidates, and that's something I'm, I'm passionate about, kind of helping to build um, and, and making more companies aware that that they should be hiring, you know, more more junior talent into the ecosystem. Got it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was listening to your to your podcast recently on some of the trends in 2022, where you mentioned you're seeing companies sometimes take a chance on. You know, maybe before they're ready for that next level, and 
helping them grow into that next role, right? So that's awesome to see that, you know, in the market that people are taking chances on people who maybe less years of experience, but they're they're getting that opportunity to get that job fit. So yeah, and that's the only way the ecosystem will grow, right? Because historically <laughs> a lot of people have looked for senior and and you know taking people from their competitors and that that's just not sustainable. And especially when there's so much demand in the market, like we need to bring the next generation of Salesforce talent through. And like I said before, that's the beauty of the platform, right? You can learn this. You can go on Trailhead. You can you can sharpen your te- uh, your your skills and and get opportunities and grow. And um and I've seen some amazing talent come into the market with no experience and and progress from junior or entry level to senior relatively quickly. Um, so it can happen. It's just about giving them the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, that's. One thing for myself, right, coming into the industry, right, is you're looking at these companies and they all want higher senior. And so we have that conundrum, right, where you need a job to get experience and yeah. then you need experience to get a job. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you, it just it, it it's cool to see companies and people who take a chance on people based on where they're at and help them grow into that next role. So I did want to ask you, um, I just have two more questions. I did want to ask you, so I guess on the horizon, kind of your own personal career goals, what are some of the things that you have yet to accomplish or that you're looking forward to kind of doing within the community? And and even, you know, you mentioned leaving SAP. Could you see yourself at some point maybe looking beyond Salesforce and doing something outside of the ecosystem? I don't know, I guess. Like, it's hard to, to say. I think like I... The, the one thing I would say about SAP is in seven, six or seven years of recruiting for the technology, I never once saw an SAP screen. Like I, you, you could show me, oh, really? you could show oh. me an Oracle HCM screen. You could show me, you know, Workday and SAP. And if you took the logos off, I wouldn't be able to tell you which one was the SAP screen because I've never seen it, which is crazy, right? Because I was a specialist SAP recruiter and I, I made hundreds of SAP placements over seven years, but I couldn't tell you, I couldn't really tell you what the candidates do, you know, because I, I, di- I didn't go deep in it. I, I didn't feel I, I, there was no way, there was no trailhead. There was no, there was no way of me really understanding the technology apart from asking people questions. Whereas now it's like, I, I you know, I'm certified in Salesforce. Like I'm, I, I kind of live and breathe it. I use Salesforce every day. I, um, I've built workflows. I've, I've never built a flow because I'm, I'm just can't get my head around them, but I've built <laughs> other automations within Salesforce, right? And, and how great is that, that I can actually have a conversation with someone around something I've done with the platform. Um, so I think it would be very difficult for me to leave the Salesforce ecosystem, but you never say never because you just don't know what's coming, right? I think uh, I have to, I'm also, yes, I'm passionate about the Salesforce ecosystem, but I'm also passionate about uh, my career and my family and and uh, having, you know, being able to put food on the table. So if, if Salesforce was to fall away and another technology or another opportunity presented itself, then, then I'd be silly not to look at. Yeah, yeah. And I think you mentioned like Trailhead and some of the other resources that exec- it, Salesforce is accessible, right? In that fashion where I can go on Trailhead and learn about the technology and not even, you know, be in the Salesforce space and I can learn about AWS or other concepts that Salesforce just provides to the community, which is super cool. Three last questions is rapid fire um, to ask you. So I guess maybe very quickly, what would you say is your favorite book and why? I think two, I'm going to say two. Okay. So I, I, I've, I'm i not someone that can read fictional books. Like I really struggle with that. Like I struggle with fictional TV programs, even like uh, like Game of Thrones example, as an example, I just couldn't, as soon as I saw Dragons, I, I just couldn't <laughs> engage with it. Um, yeah. so, so my books are maybe a bit more business or, or um, yeah, financial focus, but um, Shoe Dog, I love, like I loved hearing oh, yeah. the story of, of Nike. I think that was like incredible to actually get an insight into a global brand that mm-hmm. started off as such a small business and, um, and you know the decisions that they made to get to the point that they are now, and and you know everyone knows that business, right? So 
that's yeah. um, that, that was interesting. And then uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, I think, was is a um, a good book to read because it gets you thinking differently about you know money and and financial, um, I guess, goals and aspirations. And uh, and I think I, I read that a good time in my life, and uh, and it's made me think differently and and think smarter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so favorite food and why? Where I'm from in the UK, East London, there's this thing. Everyone knows pies and everyone knows mash, right? Potato mash. But in uh, East London, there's this um, concept of pie and mash, right? You go to a pie and mash shop and you have mm-hmm. this like green sauce called liquor. And mm-hmm. you can't get it anywhere else as far as I'm aware in, in the world even. I mean, you, you probably can get like there's pop-up versions of it. But um, that's the food I miss the most. Like I, you can't get that in Australia. So that's the one food that I can't replicate here i guess so pie and mash with liquor would be the the the, the thing that i uh, i miss but um like my favorite meal day today would be spaghetti bolognese any italian really like i, I love yeah. pizza uh, you know, going to italy is one of the best things i've ever done spending time in rome uh, was incredible but mainly the food is just exceptional cool awesome yeah so talking about rome and talking about traveling i guess what's one place that you haven't been that you it's kind of on your bucket list or that next thing that you want to visit uh, that you haven't yet visited. Like I'm good. This is a trick answer because, um, <laughs> so I, the best trip I've ever been on was, um, a safari in South Africa. Um, oh, wow. like that was, uh, we went for my, um, my, mine and my wife's uh, honeymoon, like three or four years ago now, um, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And that was incredible. Like, um, it was just game changing for me in terms of just like seeing the world, how it should be. And, and, you know, seeing, just the most incredible sites that I've ever experienced. And we did um, a week in South Africa and then a, a week um, on a beach somewhere. Uh, and I just wish we never went to the beach because it was like, I <laughs> just wish we were back in South Africa that whole time. Um, yeah. So for me, that that is now the experience I want to have, like going and doing things like that again. So I don't know where, but I'd like to go on another, not not South Africa, I'd like to experience something different, but another another safari definitely is, is what I'd like to do. Um, and yeah. there's so many I'd like to, to see and do, but but definitely like that's where I'd like to spend time. But we just had a, a little girl uh, nine weeks ago, so I think safaris are off the, the agenda for a while. But yeah, I'm craving my next uh, my next safari. Yeah, yeah, and congrats on uh, you know becoming a father and all that. Yeah, I really appreciate you um, allowing me to be on the podcast, Ben. It's it's a great time, and uh, yeah, thank you so much, and thank you for always being a loyal listener and, and sharing our content as well. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talent Hub Talk. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could subscribe and also leave a short review. We're keen for this podcast to reach as many people in the Salesforce ecosystem as possible, and your reviews will help us do that.